0: Hi, my name is Althea, and this is the Clean Your Room Podcast. This is season one, episode 11, and I'm recording this on Wednesday, April 28, 2021, in Los Angeles, California. I really hurried through the previous episode on boxes, mostly because I'd been writing and rewriting it for over a month at that point, and I just wanted to make sure I got it recorded and published before too long. And actually, I am hurrying through to finish this episode as well, because I'm reading a book for the first time in quite a while. Not just like flipping through a cookbook or like a plant book or something like that, I'm actually reading it and I want to get back to it as soon as possible. At the risk of turning this podcast into a Grishaverse fan podcast, because I've mentioned Lee Bardugo and her book so many times in like 11 episodes, uh, I'm currently reading uh, Rule of Wolves, which is the second book in the King of Scars duology by Lee Bardugo. I really can't wait to finish recording this episode so I can go hopefully read the rest of it before I fall asleep tonight. Um, My husband and I uh, got our second shots of vaccines this weekend and spent a lot of it just kind of hanging out, playing video games, watching Netflix. We finished watching the Shadow and Bone uh, Netflix series yesterday, which is a mashup of some of the parts of the first five books in the Grishaverse um we both really like the show a lot I'm going to be playing it over and over again hoping that they will renew it enough times that they'll make uh a season about my favorite books in the series which are the the last two the you know uh the duology I'm currently reading I really love the casting for the show and it's definitely, it's going to go in my rotation of TV shows to put on while I'm cleaning because I, I don't have to necessarily look at the screen. I'll know what's going on from, you know, the audio and listening to the audio uh, now that I've been through it at least once. I hope you have a show like that. Uh, mine used to be, I, well, I still watch um, the original Las Vegas CSI now and then. I finished my, like, probably... 15th rewatch. I don't know how many times I've rewatched the entire series, but it's just like a a comforting show that I already know what happens. I know, you know, every line practically of the show. Maybe you have a show that's like that, that you just put on in the background. um, So you're not, you know, looking at the screen, trying to absorb new data. You're just listening to it and, you know, laughing along if it's a sitcom or However, however, it's going, if you have a TV show like that, that you'd like to share, um, please do, uh, my contact information is at the end of the episode and on the website. And, um, I, I would just like to see what, what do people watch when they're cleaning? Um, also so went on a bit of a ramble there. Also, I just completely neglected to mention in the last episode, Earth Day, uh, which makes no sense. I love Earth Day. Uh, Honestly, it was a really busy week for me at work. Um, I thought about it way after the fact and I threw a line about it into the show notes, but that's, that's it. Um, It was April 22nd. The theme of Earth Day uh, 2021 was Restore Our Earth. And there's some content that you can watch on earthday.org. I'll be honest. Again, it was so busy last week. uh, I've not gone through any of those videos Um, or any of the articles that they have there and consumed any of that to see if there's anything worthwhile. Um, But I mention it because in today's episode, I'm just going to go through a few thoughts that I have around home-based and cleaning organization-related strategies for waste management, some of the three R's, in particular the first one, and (laughs) where to look for more information and support as we all Try to learn how to be better stewards of our planet. So I'll be back with all of that after this ad break. So reduce, reuse, recycle. These are the three R's referred to commonly by a green triangular three arrow symbol that often serves as a reminder of what to do with our waste products. There are a lot of things I can think of as far as reuse and recycling that might be interesting from a cleaning and home organization standpoint. Talked about some of them in the box episode which just passed Um, but the one thing that I want to talk about first and for pretty much all of this episode is reduce. I personally think it's the hardest one of the three R's to really get a grasp on and yet it's literally the first step in this litany that is meant to help people make more Earth-friendly choices. So what do we mean when we say reduce? I think it's making the decision to consume or not to consume, what to consume, and how to dispose of the item and any waste generated by these choices. It's much more than just deciding whether or not to buy something. It's also deciding which item to buy if there's a range of choices. And including that decision, not just the price or the qualities of the thing or its availability, whether the thing is useful or if it's the thing that you need or want, it's taking to into account the whole life cycle of every part of the item you're planning to purchase. The packaging, the shipping container, the item itself, um, whatever's wrapped around it, whatever goes inside it to to power it or make it run? What happens to it if it breaks? Um, What happens if it's no longer useful? Uh, Is there infrastructure that is capable of really and truly handling the item to reduce the impact of its creation and its consumption and waste? As someone who A, loves to shop, B, loves to make things, and C, needs to eat, It's a really hard thing to pause and think about those things. Most of the time, and I'm speaking really just for myself and my choices, I'm not judging anyone else out there. If I take it into my head, say that I would like a new dress or a book or some art supplies or if I want to order takeout, for the most part, there really isn't too much thought put into whether or not I should make that purchase in the first place. What is the purpose of a new dress? Do I really need one? Is there an occasion? What unnecessary packaging will come with it from whoever is shipping me this product? I kid you not, I've gotten dresses before that were wrapped in like foam, like it's not paper, it's like actual, like a sheet of foam. Why would you do that? Like, but why would you bubble wrap a dress? It's not going to break. Um, what resources were used up in making and shipping this pro- product? Um, if we're thinking about a book, um, can I just borrow this ebook from the libraries? Does it exist? Um, should I get the audiobook? Uh, why should I buy a book when I have far too many already unread books sitting around my apartment? Um, am I ever going to use all these art supplies, which are not cheap, by the way? Is this takeout that I'm about to order really good? Uh, how much packaging? Do I then need to figure out how to recycle or reuse? Um, am I going to remember to refuse a straw or utensil? Because I'm I'm at home, like I have utensils and straws that I can just wash. You know, think about all these things just to have a nice meal that I didn't make myself. Um, how much fuel was burned to create all the packaging and the ingredients and the pieces and the, you know, how how much uh was expended to ship things to where they're made, and how much energy was used to make it and to ship it from where it was made to bring it to my door. Uh, Those aren't immediately the first thoughts in my head, and I'm guessing those are likely not the first thoughts in most people's heads when they're about to make a buying decision. The questions I think we often will ask ourselves are, do I like this dress or that dress? (laughs) These pants or those pants? Uh, What color shirt should I get? Should I look for somewhere that's selling a special or signed copy of this book or somewhere that's, you know, I'm getting swag from pre-ordering a physical copy of the book? Um, Should I get Indian food or Thai food, tacos or sushi, maybe a burger or a bagel? I'm not usually thinking, well, if I get the bagel, it comes in this waxed paper, which is pretty low impact. They put each one in a cardboard box, not a plastic box. It all comes in a recyclable, uh, uh, in a brown paper bag, which I can uh, reuse or recycle if I take everything out right away and prevent it from getting greasy. Versus uh, if I get Indian food, well, the place where I get it gives you this um, reusable a polyester bag with it, um, but it probably comes in a bunch of plastic containers. Those containers will mostly be hard to clean because of the, all of those oils and spices in the food. So they probably can't be recycled anyway without wasting a bunch of water, trying to get them clean enough so that they're not going to contaminate the recycling stream with food waste. So that's, I'm not, not looking forward to that work and that, you know, wasting water. And I, th- I think of those things now Now that I've spent a few years really trying to examine and change my relationship with stuff. So maybe you're there, maybe you're way past me, maybe you're, you've never even thought about these things before. So, um, you know, let, let's just, let's just see where it goes from here. I do want to pause here and say, I don't think the solution is to become a minimalist and live a completely Spartan existence and save your money and save the planet by not consuming anything ever. I think that's very extreme and doesn't necessarily work for everybody. I mean, it's ideal, but it also seems unrealistic looking at the way my life is now, at least for me. Even if I started working on that right now, I think it would take me a really, really long time to get there. Uh, And also, I don't know if I'd be happy with those decisions. I don't know. I just haven't really, you know, made those moves. Uh, Ditto with suddenly becoming... Uh, completely vegan. I recognize that envir- the environmental impact of being a meat eater, of being an omnivore, not just from a kindness to living things standpoint, but literally the water and the energy and the heat and the waste that's generated by producing um, these meat products and and dairy and things like that. Um, di- and, and I'm not saying don't do those things. Like I absolutely um, think about those things. And aim for those things. I'm just not there yet, and I'm I'm definitely far from being completely in either of those um, le- the, those camps. Ditto with trying to live a zero waste lifestyle. Huge ideal, right? Uh, this is one where you literally are trying to throw nothing away, like waste nothing. Use all the parts of the whatever it is that you have. And you manage to do that by making those hard decisions of what to consume and how with the idea in mind that if it generates waste, you're just not going to get uh, to acquire or purchase that item. Um, I, and I admire people who can make these kinds of big sweeping changes in their lives. I think these are amazing ideals. And in a perfect world... I would try to do all of those things, but our world isn't perfect. And I'm definitely not perfect. I hope that the next couple of ideas uh, will resonate with listeners who are more in that kind of place where, like me, they're imperfect, but they're just trying to do a little bit to move things in a positive direction. So before I dive into my small steps to start reducing your impact on the planet's health and improvement, I want to share a couple of quotes from an Instagram account that I follow, Zero Waste Chef. Uh, On March 31st of this year, she posted, quote, do not feel guilty for a supply chain you did not create. What that means is, means a lot of things. You, you may live in a food desert, for example, you may not have access to farmers markets or CSA boxes or other supply chains that create less waste and use less resources to conduct ingredients from the field to your table. This is definitely something I've struggled with. For example, um, in my drive to eat less meat and consume more plants, I'm trying to eat a lot of spinach and Brussels sprouts and things like that. Um, but also, we're in the middle of a pandemic and I'm not really going out. Uh, I don't have the right conditions on my tiny patio to grow any of these things myself. Um, they're foods that I enjoy and I have to eat pretty regularly f- for my health and, in, in, again, in my drive to try to eat more plants. Uh, but to get mo- to get these things most of the time, especially we're in a pandemic and we're not going outside, I have to get it delivered from the grocery store and it comes in either a plastic bag or a clamshell plastic box. So spinach normally comes in the box. The other things normally come in a bag. You might be thinking, you can recycle that box. Get the box. (laughs) Well, recycling, again, topic for another day. How it mostly doesn't work in the United States, especially for plastic, is going to be some other episode because I can't, just can't. Um, just briefly, even if I put the box in my curbside recycling and it's as clean and dry as I can get it, that actually does not guarantee that the box is actually going to get recycled since our infrastructure for that is pretty messed up at the moment. Um, so keep in mind just by living and needing occasional things like spinach and Brussels sprouts and broccoli, you are probably going to have some unavoidable involvement in waste creation, but we didn't make the supply chain that way. Let's not waste energy feeling guilty for it. Let's eat our vegetables and not let them go to waste. Let's try to recycle our boxes and bags, even though they may not get recycled. We're just going to do the best that we can do. Uh, Another thing that she posted recently, but by the way, Zero Waste Chef, her name is Anne-Marie Bonneau. um, And she posted, uh, you don't have to do zero waste perfectly to make an impact. And that that really resonated with me because I am, it's not that I'm not trying, it's just that I'm not perfect, I feel like. So that quote uh, that I just read to you, um, is from her book, which just came out, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, her book is called The Zero Waste Chef. Um, uh, and I think that every little bit of awareness and intention and action that we normal, not perfect people can take to try to reduce our waste is worth doing. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing situation. Like she basically says in her if you go and read I'll I'll leave the links in the show notes. She basically says, you know, the goal is zero. It doesn't mean that you're not doing it if you're not hitting zero, something like that. That's probably super far from what she actually said. So I'm just going to give you guys the link. That's that was my takeaway from it. Try to do it even if you're not doing it perfectly. We can basically start anywhere with anything. As long as we keep the goal in mind of reducing waste, we're doing the right thing let me see if I actually have the post up here. I'm going to read a little bit more. Okay. So she says, and I'm quoting from her April 7th post, while I do believe it's possible for many people to reduce their waste drastically, especially food waste, sort of the low hanging fruit of zero waste living, it's much more important to have everyone on board doing what they can. Each of us reducing our waste by say, Around 20% would make an enormous impact, but the around 20% less waste movement just doesn't have the same ring to it as the zero waste movement. Please do not get hung up on the zero in zero waste. That's what I was trying to say. It merely represents a goal. If you don't like the name, call it something else or don't call it anything and just go about your business. So zero waste chef. I really love her maybe you'll follow her on Instagram. She, you know, drops some really great knowledge that I think is super helpful, um, especially for me. Uh, So with that said, I'm going to go into what my small steps are that we can take to reduce waste. First is to pause before we buy. This is something that I'm struggling to do for reasons I've already stated. It's super easy to put something in your cart and hit the PayPal button or, you know, Apple Pay or GPay or whatever it is that you have set up. Um, the shop app has been like tremendously not helpful for me um, in trying to reduce my purchases. It's it's made it so, so, so easy to check out. Uh, I know because it's the one thing I've counted on doing At a minimum every week during this pandemic, there's always some product or other that is going to solve a problem or make me feel better or make me feel like I need XYZ to cope with some situation or unusual ingredients that I need to bake with or food that I'm craving or a gadget for my back pain. I'm not saying... 100% just avoid buying new things, you might still go through with that transaction. You might even do it soon if there's some kind of deal or discount that you think might expire if you wait too long, or if you feel that you need this item to arrive sooner than later. But often, there is no emergency, there is no deadline on deciding whether this impulse buy is a worthwhile purchase for you to spend your time, your money, and your energy on buying it storing it, eventually disposing of, if not the packaging, then also the thing itself. But just take that pause to think up some questions. Ask yourself about the life cycle of that thing and how willing are you to support that by hitting the buy button. So just taking a pause before we buy. The next thing is to think on the things that we have already and be honest with ourselves about whether they're really working for us. I actually have a great example that I'm really ashamed, actually kind of ashamed to share with you because I spent a bunch of money, more money than I've ever spent on a single pillow, on a really nice memory foam pillow that I thought was going to get help me with my back and shoulder pain. It arrived, I used it right away. I washed both of the covers. Uh, it gave me headaches because of the foam smell, the new, that new foam smell. Um, I had to let it air out. I washed the covers again. I waited a few weeks to start using it again. And then I, after a few nights with it, I kept going back to my normal cheap, probably bought them for a buck years ago at Ikea pillows. I just wasn't getting my money's worth. I also created a bunch of waste because the pillows packaged in this Mylar bag That was packed in a box, it came with a separate pillowcase, also in its own bag that I'd ordered the wrong size by mistake. They kindly sent me a replacement, which also came in another box in another Mylar bag. And then, although I recycled a box to send both of those things back to the company, I disposed of, of their original bags by then. So I had to get a clean trash bag to put the items in so they wouldn't get dirty from me shipping the items back. And I think of all the fuel and labor involved in producing that item, shipping it to me, me shipping back, someone having to do something with it, a used memory foam pillow, and two covers when they finally got my return. All in all, aside from the waste that I generated, I think I was about 40 or $50 poorer from this whole experience. My shoulder still isn't better, although... It's been a problem since long before I bought the special pillow. I almost didn't get set any of the refund stuff into motion either because I just didn't want to admit that I'd made a poor decision in acquiring the item in the first place. Lucky for me, the company has amazing customer service and a pretty wide return window. So it worked out for me in the end. And I think the experience will also influence future buying decisions that I make. So I... Even though I do feel guilty about the waste and a bit silly about the money, I did learn something from this whole pillow purchase debacle. Uh, Another step would be to rehome your items, items that you wanted enough at some point to bring into your space, keep them in good condition, store them, use them. But maybe they have outlived their usefulness. Maybe they aren't serving you anymore in the way that they did when you really wanted them. Now they're just taking up space and you need to reduce the amount of stuff that you are keeping and holding onto for no good reason. Maybe there's someone out there who can get better use out of this item if you can just bring yourself to let it go. If you are a borderline hoarder like I am, you might spend a week or two, maybe longer, churning these items around, looking at them, flipping through them, looking for a reason to keep them, making future plans like, oh, I'm totally going to make this sweater from this magazine, (laughs) or I'm totally going to start juicing next weekend, or someday I want to be able to pass this gray, raggedy strawberry shortcake blanket to my child. Never mind that you're going to be 43 and you might not be having any children in this lifetime. Okay, that's very specifically me I'm talking to there. In the interest of moving things along, I have started making a list of items that I want to rehome. Uh, started taking photos of these items and started planning out how I'm going to get rid of them. For example, items that are in very good condition, you can probably sell. Um, My friend Tui turned me on to this app called Mercari, and I think I'm going to give it a try this weekend. You can sell various types of items on it, so I'm going to give that a shot. There are also apps like Ziffit and Declutter. I will leave links to those in the show notes where you can resell books, CDs, DVDs, and other media. Uh, I've only normally sold things on places like Amazon Marketplace and eBay, but I am willing to try new things, new systems. Also, I am trying to take myself out of the Amazon ecosystem when possible, so I'm going to be selling some of my used books on Biblio.com to make room on my shelf for the cool stuff that I bought for Independent Bookstore Day last weekend. Um, there are also little free libraries in lots of neighborhoods. Um, there's a map that you can find online. Again, I'll leave the link in the show notes. And also other kinds of um, free libraries, little free libraries now are popping up also, like ones for art and even yarn. Uh, some items, actually I can think of a friend or family member who might like the items. So usually I'll just text that person directly and ask them if they want it. Um, Or if I'm not sure who in my circle of people I know might want something, I'll post it on Facebook or in my Instagram stories. Uh, Other things, I really just, I think they need to just be given away. It's kind of hard at the moment to find sometimes the right place to give uh, a donation. Just because of COVID, certain places are not accepting things or certain types of items. But there are ways beyond just dropping things off at Goodwill. By the way, our Goodwill drop off is closed, so I can't do that anyway. Uh, For example, um, on Facebook and uh, other platforms, there are buy nothing groups in most neighborhoods where you can just offer up items you no longer want and hope somebody nearby will be willing to come and get them from you. Uh, there are also neighborhood organizations, uh, nonprofits, which I would, churches, I would recommend looking for those rather than handing your stuff over to a big corporation. So these smaller grassroots groups could probably use your support more. And also if you care about that kind of thing, you could also be more careful about supporting organizations that align more with your personal beliefs. Um, how about plants? Uh, I'm actually rehoming some plants this weekend, uh, some are plants that I bought, some are propagations that were overly bountiful and need to be shared with other people. Um, I contacted someone last weekend from the underground, I can't say it, the underground plant trade. That's freedomplants, F-R-E-E-D-E-M-P-L-A-N-T-S dot com. And again, I will leave a link in the show notes. Uh, That's where non-Black people can offer up plant reparations to Black people. And I'm really excited to meet up with my person this weekend and share my plants with her. Uh, Lastly, if you are a hobbyist hoarder like me with a lot of different crafts and interests, instead of just reducing the amount of stuff that you are purchasing, although that would also be good, Uh, Why not take it a step further and start systematically consuming your supplies? Again, this advice comes fully from my own personal struggles with these things. I have a ton of yarn and fabric, paint, clay, you name the art supply, I probably have it. Uh, Wood, I have... (laughs) I just have so much stuff um, and, I, and I have plans for these things, but also I almost never actually execute these plans. Make a commitment and a schedule and a plan to systematically create stuff with your supplies that you've been collecting. You'll be reducing the amount of raw material that you have and processing these items into art or clothing or other usable or decorative items and consider, too, that you might be giving some of these as gifts, selling them, donating donating them for a good cause. You're still getting the value of what you paid for, which is the joy and excitement of making something. And whether that's an item that you keep for yourself or that you uh, sell or share with someone else, you are helping to change something that might have just stayed with its wasted potential in a box or cupboard somewhere to something that makes someone happy or helps them to solve a problem. So I hope these musings, though vague, help you get started on the path to reducing before you even think about reusing and recycling things. Just stop those things at the door. Just don't even let them in. (laughs) I hope you look at your stuff in a new light, and that this new perspective can help lighten your load in some way, whether that's in having less stuff to store and take care of, or saving you time or money, or transforming something that was inert and wasted into something joyful and useful. Uh, If you have ideas for reducing, reusing, and recycling, would like to share them with the rest of the audience, please use the hashtag Clean Your Podcast Challenge to share these on Instagram and TikTok. Again, you can follow me on both platforms at Clean Your Room Podcast. I'm also on Twitter as Fruit Juice. That's F-R-O-O-T-J-O-O-S. We also currently still have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. If you'd like to discuss, ask questions, or share your cleaning challenges, but I may be shutting those down um, in the next couple of weeks. I'm still trying to come to that decision. Hopefully, I'll have decided by next week. Anyway, until then, you can find links to all of these from my social media profiles, Linktree, and CleanYourRoomPodcast.com. You can leave me an audio message there or send me an email. You can find the links to on how to send an audio message on CleanYourRoomPodcast.com. You can also email into info at CleanYourRoomPodcast.com. Again, you'll find this and all the rest of the links I've mentioned on my website and social profiles. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so in a variety of ways. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. You can rate or review the show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that allows those ratings. You can make a monthly contribution through our anchor.fm page, and you can even shop from our bookshop page, which also supports independent bookstores across the country with every purchase. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop clean your room podcast. The Clean Your Room podcast is hosted and produced by me, Althea Allure. The original opening music is called Bubble Guts, also composed by me. The podcast logo was illustrated by Ashlyn Anstey. You can find more about her artwork and writing at AshlynA.com. That's A-S-H-L-Y-N-A.com. She also has a podcast with her husband, Grant Pardee, called Grashlyn Party, which you should definitely check out. This episode was sponsored by and produced on Anchor FM. Thanks again for listening. This is Althea signing off and reminding you to clean your room.